Hi, this is Bruce Clark, host of Twip Weddings. You're listening to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the Cashfly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with Cashfly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com and use the promo code TWIP. TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners save time billing and get paid faster. Sign up for free at FreshBooks.com and join over 5 million users running their businesses with ease. This is TWIP, episode 450, How to Damage Your Credibility. In this age of everything and everyone being connected to everything and everyone, it's hard to pull a fast one over on anyone, especially in the photography industry. Well, one photographer found this out the hard way when he entered a photoshopped image into a Nikon photo contest and won. The subsequent digital witch burning went viral as his credibility spiraled. Also in this episode, we look into the viability of iPhones, particularly next generation iPhones, as DSLR replacements. We've discussed this topic on the show before, but it looks like we may be closer than ever to that camera bag in your pocket utopia. To discuss these stories and more, I'm joined by two veterans of the TWIP network, Valerie Jardin of Street Focus and Doug Kay of All About the Gear. It's Monday, February 1st, 2016, and this is TWIP. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Really interesting show this week. Actually, this is try number two. We had technical difficulties trying to get the show recorded. Probably all my fault. But uh, we're going to try again and try to retain some of the magic that we had in that first recording. But on this show, I've got two TWIP hosts from the TWIP network, two amazingly popular hosts, Valerie Jardin and Mr. Doug K. Valerie, what's going on with you? You've been crushing it with Street Focus. You've built up a legion of fans and like you're getting accosted in the streets in Paris. Like <laughs> what's happening? What are you doing over there? This is fun. Yeah. Uh, Street Focus is doing really well. We um, actually am on episode 72 and um, yes, it's just growing and 72. Uh, we're about 72. To, uh, to maybe start some Street Focus worldwide photo walks mm-hmm. and uh it's just gonna be awesome that's crazy so, like 72 do you ever when we sat in paris and we were kind of thinking about this show and you're like you're like oh, i don't know if i want to do it and I was, <laughs> did you ever th- you remember that right yeah i know it yeah. seemed intimidating you know a show a week mm-hmm. that's a lot of planning it's a lot of you know yeah but it's working and so, look at you now so far look at so you good now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like you're, you're crushing, yeah, and I just so. I just got back from Paris um, a couple of days ago, so um, the and you've got and your work your workshops your workshops are on fire too, right? You yeah, are, yeah, it's it's going well. I'm actually planning par- the starting to plan the Paris 2017 workshops now, and uh, because that's the one that sells up almost a year in advance, so. Like, how is that even possible? You're like, like, you just say it so nonchalantly. You're like, oh, yeah, we're we're working on selling out 2017 now. And we like we're just barely out of January of 2016. I know. It's crazy. But it's all good. I'm having fun. Hey, you are. You are. Congratulations. Everybody's on the workshop seems to be having fun. They keep coming back. So I guess they're they love it. 
<laughs> there you go. What's not the like? Well, cool. Welcome. Welcome to this week. Thank of photos. you. It's good to have you on the show. And Mr. Doug Kay, uh, an, another world traveler. Doug, you, you should establish residency in Cuba, I think, because <laughs> every time I look up, you're there. What's going on? Uh, yeah, just got back about a week ago, had a great workshop, trip number five there. Like Valerie, I'm already planning uh, January and March of 2017. She's a little ahead of me. She she puts the rest of us to shame. I mean, her schedule, both for the show and for the workshop, is phenomenal. Don't try to keep up with Valerie, Doug. I, I'm telling you, know, you I tried I, in Paris. I, I Valerie, go, Valerie has some go. kind of nuclear power plant or something. <laughs> I wanted to go with Valerie in September to Paris, but but it's not looking possible, so I'm going to go with my wife instead. There you go. There you go. Well, if we're at the same time, at least we should meet for coffee, huh? That's right. So... Uh. Um, yeah, been uh, we just we just published the latest all about the gear, which is a wrap up of uh, a roundup of all the micro four third lenses ever made or close to it, uh, with Gordon Gordon Lang, who knows all about them, which I don't, uh, which is why he's on the show, and um, that's it. Been, been that's a that. lot of. I mean that that's an important episode, and I'm I'm happy you guys decided to kick off the year with that one because it's you know the the universe. There's so much inf- disinformation, misinformation, and just plain old fear about. The, the lenses and the lens quality out of micro four thirds, you know, versus, you know, the medium for or not medium format, but APS-C and full frame, obviously, and just what what that catalog of lenses is. So I'm glad that you guys touched on. I, I know you didn't touch on everything because there's like hundreds of lenses <laughs> you could be theoretically attach to your camera. But you guys, you guys did a really good job. Well, we, we focused on all the ones that Gordon considers good, and he really does test almost every lens that comes out yeah. for Micro Four Thirds in particular. So if you are a Micro Four Thirds shooter, I highly recommend you listen to or watch that episode because it's really got a lot of good stuff in it. And you you are a film shooter now, right, Doug? That's your, your uh, well, latest passion? It, it seems to be like the first half of each year I shoot film. And so I've just started shooting with this beautiful 1966 Roloflex 80 millimeter 2.8 F and uh, got my first 49 years old. What? Good grief. 50, 50. This is 2016. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. It's 2016. Welcome. Happy New Year. Anyway, it's been great. I just got back seven rolls of film from the lab today and uh, I have a lot to learn. I can tell you that. So you spend the first half of the year shooting and then the second half of the year processing. (laughs) Well, it just happens that last year I shot 35 millimeter film with a Leica M6. I remember that. Just by chance. And uh, I really wanted this camera and I looked and I waited and waited until I could find this exact camera in mint condition. And I'm real happy with it. And what's your just before we move on with the show? What are your reasonings for shooting film? Is it is it the restriction? Is it the just the beauty of the mechanics of a, a piece of kit like that? What, what it, makes you, you want to do? You've got both of them. I mean, if I really just love the kit, I could just use it in my office and push the buttons and turn the crank, right? You could, yeah. But going out and when you can only have when we only have twelve exposures per roll, uh, and you have a camera that's not entirely intuitive to use because if you pan to the left, it pans to the right. Uh, Things like that, you know, manual everything. Uh, it really none of that sounds enticing to me, though. <laughs> it's, you know, if if I'll, we had a discussion about it with a friend the other day, if every shot to you is absolutely important, like you have an assignment, you don't use a camera like this. Sure. But if you can go out and afford to not make everything precious, if you can go out and enjoy yourself and try and challenge yourself, then you get a lot out of this. And when you do go back to digital and autofocus and auto exposure and all that stuff. It gets pretty easy, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. So but it's, it's really it's, it's really good practice. It really is, and I enjoy it. That's cool. All right. Well, 
All right. Well, welcome to both of you guys. Let's let's dive into the show. Valerie, you uh, you brought this to my attention because obviously, like you said before we started recording, I've been living under a rock and I didn't see <laughs> this thing destroying the airwaves or the the interwebs. Um, so let me set it up. So basically, basically, Nikon had a photo contest and they awarded the prize. I don't know if it was the first prize, but they awarded a prize to a guy that submitted an image that was clearly photoshopped and not only was it clearly photoshopped it was a horrible photoshop job <laughs> that you could actually see in the image before you know you could see what they did so basically you took an image of us like a, a really interesting perspective of the staircase leading up or a ladder or something he has a ladder and then at the top you can look at the YouTube uh, video or the click in the, the link in the show notes to see what we're talking about. But at the top in the center of the opening, he put a plane there, like a silhouette of an airplane or a jetliner up there, you know, but the perfectly interesting thing, lined up. perfectly <laughs> lined up, like impossibly lined up. Perfect. Right. The interesting thing about this is I was reading through the article in the comments and they highlighted as people were complimenting him on his amazing skills of being able to capture this. And one of his comments was someone's like, how did you, how did you get that? Did you wait a long time for that plane to cross your path? And he's like, no, it wasn't that much work. <laughs> yeah. Not so long. I got lucky. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy. So Valerie, what do you, like, I mean, when you to beat this guy to death, cause obviously he's being beaten to death on the web already, no. but kind of you know, sorry for him. And, then, and then from the tack of, yeah, he apologized and from the tack of like, you know, people submitting these kind of fraudulent images into photo contests, obviously don't do that. But when you look at this from a, if he had done a good job, this would have been an awesome image, right? So is it is it bad that he did? I mean, the lying and all that and being disingenuous, of course, it's bad. But the image itself, if executed correctly, would have been a kind of cool image. Like, what do you think? Yes, but if you read further, and there is a second link, he actually copied the idea for some from somebody else already. <sighs> so there was a much better executed image of a, a similar ladder with an airplane. But the the guy who posted the original uh, on Instagram, I believe, did a good job at it, but he also was completely honest and said, this is a composite. So, uh, I mean, there is nothing wrong with having fun and doing a composite. Not my thing. I mean, to me, it completely defeats the purpose of, you know, being a photographer. Yeah, for street photography, yeah. <laughs> like, well, exactly. And, uh, and I don't see any... I don't see any merit in that other than knowing how to use Photoshop to do it right. Um, I mean, yes, there is vision. The first image, the guy who came up with the idea, I mean, it, it looks great. I mean, it's not photography at that point, but it looks good. Um, but it's, it's hilarious that, I mean, he did it, he did it poorly and then uh, and entered a contest with it, which Gosh, actually no. just doesn't make any sense. And won. <laughs> it would been interesting, like if he was doing this on a goof to see if he could slip it in yeah. past Nikon, you know, and then you know revealed later that hey, look, I got this in there, guys. Nikon, you need to. You kind of like hackers that exploit systems, you know, so that the people that that have vulnerable systems will fix them. <laughs> if he was doing that, that would be one thing. But he got, you know, he did a bad Photoshop job, then got caught, then apologized for it. And like like you said, Valerie, not only that, but he was plagiarizing, you know, and yeah. a, a piece of work. I don't know. Doug, what do you what do you think of this? I mean, you know, Valerie, Valerie has a valid point. If he's doing if he's if, if he's passing this off as street photography, that's one thing. But if it's you know, you're just doing fine art and who cares, you know, you're punishing pixels. So who cares what's on the screen? That's another thing. But I don't know. What do you think about this whole thing? 
Well, a couple of things. First of all, the image that you first see is not so obviously photoshopped. You have to actually go in there, uh, as the discoverer showed, with a levels adjustment to actually bring out the the bad the bad quality of the Photoshop job. Mm-hmm. But and a lot of the criticism falls to Nikon, and I think that's unfair. I don't think that Nikon's job is to go in there and and do adjustments on every image to determine whether or not they were processed in Photoshop or not. Obviously, the fault lies with the guy. I think for something like this to represent an image as a non-composite without making that clear, I think, is not good. Um, I agree with Valerie. It doesn't show any particular skill, uh, you know, but I think in particular to represent, to not make it clear that this is a composite image, I think, is a big mistake. Yeah. 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 I don't know. But but, but compositing-wise, like, like, if we take your 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 growing Cuba library of shots, right? So if we take that and you decide, hey, this shot, you know, this is awesome, but you know what? I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put an American flag in here because, you know, the, the relations are improving and I want to put an American flag in here. I'm not gonna pass it off as being original um or not manipulated, but I'm also not gonna tell anyone that it was manipulated. I'm just gonna put a nice flag in there and you have you have Photoshop ninja skills, Doug, so you could do that. What well, is it? Is that is that ethical to do that, or is it not ethical? Um, it's not ethical in terms of entering a competition. I think if that's right. the art you want to create, that's up to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want to fool your audience, and that's part of what you do, that's I think that's legitimate. That's fine. I do composite images, not with street photography so much, but with other things, and they're they're pretty obviously composite or they're they're very disturbing looking until you look at them and discover that they're composites <laughs> now i really want to see these <laughs> but i I'll, I'll show you some but it's not it's it's um i i would never represent a street photograph as being a composite as being a legitimate street photograph it's just not something i personally would do yeah yeah and valerie Obviously, you would say this guy well, needs jail time or... <laughs> no, and I mean, not only... I I couldn't do it. I couldn't even do it as well as he did. <laughs> I don't... Yeah. My, my skills in Photoshop's are, like, uh, non-existent. And I'm not interested in that. And I think that um, that's probably why I'm a street photographer, because I would never remove anything uh, from my photograph. And people have often said, you know, oh, well, you know, this is distracting. There was a garbage can there. I'm like, well, yeah, well, it was there. You know, oh, <laughs> Where am I? Wow. that's, that's nice. just, that's just, if, if it's distracting because of its color, then turn the picture into black and white. It will disappear. And so I, I just, uh, my job on the street is to remove those distracting elements before I press the shutter. That's part of, that's part of, of our jobs as street photographer is to to photograph real life and to frame to to crop in camera to mm-hmm. position ourselves so that there are a, as few distracting elements as possible um and and that's part of the fun and that's part mm-hmm. of the merit to, you know um i don't see any point in and doing what he did, I mean, other than having fun with it. And I, I, I'm not condemning him for doing that and entering it for fun. I mean, I think he got punished enough. I mean, he was ridiculed <laughs> and I feel sorry for the guy at this yes. point. Uh, but, uh, you know, he copied somebody else's work. What's the point? You know, it's not even his picture. It's somebody else. It's like going going on a photo walk and wanted to, um, with with somebody else's image in mind and and trying to replicate that. I mean, then well, it's, where's the line with that though? I mean, because I, I see yours. lots of 
I, but I see lots of images that, because there's the line between plagiarism and copying, obviously, mm-hmm. and then there's creative inspiration, right? And we've, we've talked about this on Twit before. Where's the line between, I saw this image and I want to I want to do something that's similar to that. I want to put my own little spin on it. Now, you're not doing exactly what they did, yeah. but you're doing something that pays, uh, you know, homage to that original image. So where's the line? Well, it, it's fine. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I just don't see the satisfaction of mm-hmm. doing that. I mean, I think it's better if you, I mean, it, to have your own vision and make your own work. Why, why try to replicate somebody? I mean, to some extent. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess yeah. it all depends. It's too, interesting because you've got, you know, you've got two two street photographers on so you're really only getting a single perspective here you know valerie is you know one of my sources of inspiration i've learned a lot from her and i'm at the point now where i rarely will crop an image i don't straighten my images um you know i do some contrast and exposure adjustments but very little else uh, to my images and and if i do i i consider it actually a bit of a failure uh, really? If I need to do that to make an image good, but that's, it's the same as shooting, going out and shooting film. It's my challenge to myself yeah, yeah, is to try, and, to try and get the thing completely right in camera. And, and when you work at it, you get better at it. But, um, you know, I have a friend who does very creative work. She does it all on her iPhone. She uses all of the iPhone apps. They're heavily processed images. They're gorgeous. And almost every image she uses a filter that puts in little black birds and you know just like this airplane and it's it's become her trademark i always know one of gail's images because it's always got the exact same little black bird somewhere in the image yeah so we need a link to that i want to link to her stuff okay and because you know this is photography is a very rich and broad field valerie and i are, are in street photography right now she's done commercial i've done other fine art things and um all of this counts the question is uh, the the big question for me was the contest that I think is a no go, mm-hmm. but in terms of doing different things and experimenting and even lying to your audience if that's what you want to do, go right ahead. I think that's it's all legitimate. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the camera itself at at its most basic is just a light gathering tool, right? So it's going to record light. What you do with that light or that recording on the back end depends on what the end use is or and what you call yourself. So if you say that you're a street photographer, that comes with a certain list of guidelines and expectations and do's and don'ts that you must adhere to in order to call yourself a street photographer or a photojournalist. Photojournalism and street photography yeah. are very similar, right? Mm-hmm. But if you are a commercial photographer or you're an artist, a fine artist, and you just, you're gathering pieces to create an overall vision and you're going to create a composite, something completely different. I think what like Doug, to piggyback on what you're saying, where the problem lies is when you cross those streams and say you're one thing, but you're really doing another. So you say, yes, I am a, I'm a photojournalist or I'm a street photographer. And then you go manipulate all your images to make your stuff look almost as good as what Valerie did straight in the camera. Right. right. Yeah. So that's, that's where the, where it breaks Yeah, down. I mean, um, and, and there is no right or wrong answer. Um, you know, we all do this for ourselves and here, I mean, obviously he wasn't trying to sell. I mean, it's, yeah, but he crossed the line with, with the contest and, and uh, making it sound like it happened. I mean, that could have very well 
happen, you know, you're at the right place at the right time. If he knew that that was a flight path, if you position yourself in a certain way and you're patient and you're, you're persistent and, and, uh, you can anticipate, you could almost get that shot if you at the right, right spot. Yeah. But did you guys, uh, that would t- that would take a lot of a lot of effort. Right, right. Did you guys see the uh, you know some of the ensuing memes that came off? Yes. <laughs> you hilarious. know the internet is just ruthless. <laughs> so people, so so you got audience. You got to look at the shots, right? You got to look at the shot that he did and the one that I we're talking about. I think everybody saw it, Frederick. Except, except you. me. Except me. So all right, all right. So anyway, the memes are are really interesting. I love that. I love that people do that and just like. Okay, let's just riff on this, you know. Yeah. Let's, let's put a stormtrooper in there. Let's put a Darth Vader in there. This so. this shows you that you have to be careful. I mean, you can, you know, this guy probably has no clue he would gonna be was yeah. gonna go viral. He's like, like no one's gonna see this. I'm just gonna yeah. do this real quick and put it in there, and boom, now yeah. it's on fire. Oh, oh crap! I won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what do I do now? Yeah. Should I tell him or should I not? <laughs> I'm sure you went through that, you know. <laughs> Poor guy. So Che Yudwei is the photographer's name. Dude, we we forgive you. It's okay. That's we right. understand. Just don't do it again. You just, we wrap on the hand in the court of Twip. We're gonna let you go with a warning this time. No jail time from Valerie. Okay. <laughs> My gosh, I feel guilty once I removed a piece of of uh, a piece of garbage on the cobblestone for a, a photograph that was going to be printed, and I thought, well, I should really remove this little. It was like a gum wrapper. <laughs> I felt guilty for removing that. So, oh, jeez. See, that is just so interesting to me. See, I like I'm I am not. I I can't wear the label street photographer because no pixel is safe in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> they all deserve to be touched in some way or another. Um, yeah, you know, it's the whole thing is interesting. I, I hear you talking about like you know worrying about moving pixels, Valerie, and I'm like, you have like you you have an amazing computer. You shoot in these Fuji cameras that can like you know, do all kinds of magic and you're just scratching the surface of what they can do because you're, you're just, you're basically shooting film right now, right? Well, you know, now I pretty much shoot all JPEG and and whatever comes out of the camera is what I have. So And you're not, not processing, you're different. not doing any tweaking in Lightroom or anything? Very little now. I just, uh, I just love if I'm shooting color, I use classic chrome on the Fuji. I mean, you can't beat that. It's awesome. And, and then the black and white in camera is, is better than what I can do in Lightroom. So why would I bother? That's I'll I'll add a little bit of clarity, possibly. I will straighten a little bit if it's just if it bugs me, but yeah. um yeah, that's about it. Well Lightroom Lightroom is doing uh I, I believe there's there's lens profiles in Lightroom for Fuji. So when you bring those images in, yep. it's doing some corrections, right? So yeah, some, you can some distortion corrections. Yeah. And right, but the, um, the JPEG the JPEGs already have that correction built in. Oh, that's right. They do, right? Yeah. yeah. So wow, it's it's amazing. and supposedly it's better than what you can do in Lightroom with those. So I don't know. I'm not a pixel peeper, so I can't tell you. Thought provoking, thought provoking. Love it. All right, guys. Well, well, Doug, you mentioned your friend who uh, who's an amazing iPhone photographer and doing all kinds of cool stuff there. That's a good segue into story number two that comes to us from Mac Rumors. So, I don't like to talk about rumors or put any you know uh, opinion behind rumors because the internet, especially the camera verse, is always full of rumors. But this one, um, basically, they're saying that. 
the iPhone 7 Plus is rumored to be having some DSL DSLR like quality and 3D depth mapping. So essentially going to be a much better camera than what we have here in the 6s. So notwithstanding the rumors and if it's true or not, who cares, right? But what I wanted to ask both of you as street photographers is when you see a potential story like this, would the, and I know what Valerie's going to say right now, but <laughs> what does, does this mean that there's a future where you're going to be just traveling with your iPhone? That's it. You know, you're not going to need a, you're not going to need a Fuji, a Panasonic, a Rolleiflex, a Nikon, Canon, whatever. You're going to hop on a plane with just your iPhone and, and have at it. Is that, is that day coming, Valerie? Oh, you're asking me? Um, yeah. Well, uh -huh. if it's a 7 Plus, it's going to be at least as big as the 6 Plus, which doesn't fit in my pocket. So no, not for me. <laughs> Unless I can so hang it size. around my neck. It's the size of the camera. I mean, but your your Fuji's bigger than that phone, right? So if you got if you drop the yeah. Fuji and just take the camera, right? That's you still true. Work. No, I mean, and, and I know some very good street photographers who only shoot with their phone and uh, do amazing work and and exhibit their work. And you know, it's yeah, that's probably you know some people will like that. I just it makes me smile when I see it could offer DSLR like quality. Why DSLR? Like quality, I know. not micro for third quality or, you know, <laughs> or mirrorless like quality. <laughs> Seems kind of old fashioned to say it this way now, but uh, yeah, yeah. I don't it's know. like, yeah, it, it offers Edsel like quality. Of this <laughs> <car>. <laughs> no offense, DSLR shooters. Don't, don't bring the pitchforks. Uh, uh, I don't know, Doug, what, what about you? I mean, is it, are we moving to that world? Because, you know, uh, you see these cameras, You, I mean, you know more than anybody, right? These cameras are showing up in different form factors now, like DJI with the Osmo, which has the stabilized gimbal thing. It doesn't look like a camera at all. We've got all these different things that are showing up that you can do now that we're using mirrorless technologies and you're not encumbered by the, you know, all that other stuff that goes with with the legacy systems. If you If you look at where... Apple or Apple's track record in, in terms of improving the camera in these devices. And now you have a computer with a screen and software and connectivity. And now DSLR like quality, like, is it like, is my camera bag just going to be in my front pocket now? Well, I, I think one of the things this makes me realize, uh, not that I didn't already, but that we have not seen the end of continued improvements in digital imaging. Yeah. Uh, you know, we may say, oh God, the cameras are so good. They can't possibly get any better, but now they're going to. And I think it's too bad that they said DSLR, DSLR like quality, because it's probably better than that. Obviously the, 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 the DSLR nature is not what makes the quality good or not, but yeah. this technology from Linux imaging is pretty impressive. Uh, I've not seen the images myself, but I've read about them and there's certainly an example of if there's a problem with DSLRs, it's that they haven't recognized that the marriage of compute power and optics and sensors is the wave of the future. Mm -hmm. uh, that cameras now like Valerie's Fuji's, like my, like a Q, can do amazing things without depending totally on optics, which is what old cameras had to do. Now it's optics plus processing. And here's an example of something that's going to have tiny sensors, whether they release this or not, who knows, but tiny sensors and the ability to do some rather remarkable things in imaging. And we've really just scratched the surface of where this could go. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, because you, you, I was talking with some 
some folks over the weekend, we we're talking about drone and drone technologies. And we we're talking about the whole idea that, you know, this stuff is just at the beginning. Like you said, Doug, it's just at the beginning of these these technologies are just starting to take hold. And one advance in one area begets other gigantic advances in other areas. So, like, for example, battery life. Right. So if you solve the battery life problem now, you can do all kinds of crazy things, you know, especially with drones and with phones and cameras and all this other stuff. So, yeah, it's interesting where things are going. I mean, what was what was that first drone? Was it called the rabbit or something like that? That, you know, the, there was a three hundred dollar drone that was a toy, really. Hmm. And you yeah. could control it with an iPhone. And I got one of those things. It was a, it was it was like only like three years ago. Three or four, maybe I four remember, years ago. Yeah, I remember that you could buy those at like Brookstone or something, right? Right, right. Yeah. And this was the first, you know, consumer drone. And in an incredibly short period of time, look where we are with drone photography. I mean, we've even got FAA licensing of the damn things. <laughs> Who would have thought that? In three and years. So, in three years. Yeah, yeah, it's just been phenomenal. And like you say, that's because of breakthroughs in small cameras, you know, GoPro and now DJI saying you know sayonara gopro we don't need you anymore right. so you know it's pretty it's pretty fascinating you know and it, you know i've i've seen we've seen this technology advance and i gotta say i've seen valerie and her embracing of technology <laughs> advance not at the same pace as technology but it's still advancing so valerie if i see if i ever see the day when you are taking a drone on one of your workshops i'm gonna i'm gonna dance a jig i'm telling you <laughs> That's good. What happened? We lost one. No, actually, it came back. Remember? Oh yeah, you told me about that. She had a boomerang drone that came that found its way home. Came back a week later. So but Val Valerie is the beneficiary of this technology. She's using using a Fuji X100T, which is one of the most technologically advanced cameras on the market today. Right. right. She just happens to throw it into automatic mode, you yeah. know, or, or close to it. But I'm sure she's not doing it quite that. But anyway, it's you know, she's the beneficiary, and therefore so are we. Yeah, love it, love it. It's cool stuff, man. This is this is exciting. This is what keeps me excited about doing the show because there's always something interesting to talk about. There's always these these cool tools and techniques and and even controversy to hit on. There's a new photography conference on the scene and it's called Out of Chicago and it's the brainchild of my friend Chris Smith. The event happens in Chicago, June 24th through 26th, and this will be the third year and the biggest yet. This year, the lineup of speakers is kind of incredible, featuring amazing photographers and educators like Rick Salmon, Brian Peterson, Scott Bourne, Valerie Jardin, and even myself. There'll be cool workshops, portfolio reviews, photo walks, photo crawls, and a ton more. And I'll be leading several workshops, including the time-traveling photographer, the photographer's guide to marketing, and more. Plus, we'll be recording an episode of TWIP live in front of an audience, so you can join us and ask questions, and maybe you'll even make it into the show. So here's a really good part. For a limited time, the Out of Chicago team is knocking $100 off the registration price if you use the code TWIPCHICAGO when you sign up. Remember, this event happens June 24th through 26th, so sign up now and use the code TWIPCHICAGO to get a full $100 knocked off of the ticket price. Just head over to twip.pro slash OOC to see all the details. That's twip.pro slash OOC. And I'll see you in the Windy City. Um, let's continue. This is like a gear show. So let's, let's continue with this next story. Sorry, Valerie. Glad this I'm next on it. <laughs> from PDN online. So Olympus is aiming at both of you 
with their new Pin F. So Olympus debuted their fir- the, its first Pin F in 1963. Um, a few things have changed in the intervening years, but evidently our affection for knobs and dials is not one of them, at least if the 2016 edition of the Pin F has any, is anything to go by. This new thing, a camera, is aimed at street shooters and rangefinder aficionados. The new Pin F is loaded with manual controls and a retro aesthetic that boasts many... many um, many modern technologies on the inside and that includes a 20 megapixel 20 megapixel live moss sensor with no low pass filter five axes image stabilization and up to five stops of uh, correction uh, micro four thirds lens mount oh a micro four thirds and a 20 a 2.36 megapixel oled viewfinder doug k looking at this thing is this so? When I first saw this, I, I got to tell you, I, I love Olympus. I love I love all these different cameras that are coming out from all these manufacturers. But I'm getting to the point now where I'm like, okay, really? Do, do I need this? Do I need to get excited over this? Because it's you know it's got dials on it, and it's and it harkens back to the Pin F from 1963. And is it or or should we be more focused on photography techniques and getting better at image capturing and storytelling than I don't know, or am I just being a curmudgeon? What do you think? Well, I mean, we do need, you cameras. are being a curmudgeon. We, we, yeah, yeah. No, I would never say that. Uh, we do, we do need cameras, you know, so, yeah. uh, and there's no reason that you can't have a better camera. Unfortunately, this isn't one of them. Uh, there was so much good stuff that came out uh, during the month of January. It was announced at least. Uh, I don't have my hands on this. Gordon doesn't have his hands on it yet. I don't think he's doing a preview on this camera, but I think it's a miss primarily because really? of the cost. Uh, this thing is, look at my notes. This is a $1,200 camera at the full list price. And for a lot less money, you can get a lot better camera than this. So, um, you know, the so new you fu- say well, the new no fu- go. No, it just, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't fit a niche that that needs there. I mean, you can get for two hundred dollars less. You can get the OMD EM5 Mark II, which yeah. is a uh, to me is probably a much better camera. Or the EM10 Mark II is three hundred and fifty dollars less than this puppy. So, um, of all, so the what stuff are they? That, what are they going on? Just that it, it's you know, it's the people that that owned Pin Fs in nineteen sixty three and fell in love with them, and now they're hoping to recapture that market before. You know, I, I think so. And, you know, we'll have to, you know, Derek will probably have an opinion on it, I'm sure. Yeah. Because he's a, he's a pen fan, mm-hmm. but you know, it's got a few of the features, you know, you can do the composite 50 megapixel JPEGs by combining multiple exposures by jiggling the, you know, the sensor around that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't do 4k video. Um, it's not weather sealed and you know, it's $1,200. That's a lot of money for a, for a camera in that category, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Valerie, I'm not even going to ask you because I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I'm on the wrong show. You just had the Fuji show like two weeks ago. Yeah, you know, the, new, the, new, the new Fujis that were announced look really exciting, though. Yeah, I so, know. Yeah. Valerie, what about those? So the new Fujis that came out, I mean, um, when you, are you, are you on that bandwagon? Are you, you yeah, happy yeah, with Yeah, yeah, your... yeah. No, I, I got the X70 to play with um, and that has touch screen. I mean, a lot of what people have been asking uh, that are not so important to me because I'm completely, I don't need a flip screen. I don't need a touch screen, but yeah. that's what people want. And I, and it, it works great. I mean, this is like the X70 is like, it's fits in my pocket. It's the same quality as the X100T and it's much smaller and it's, I think it will run around 800 bucks. So uh, again, probably similar um 
I don't know, maybe this maybe the same type of people. I don't know. I feel like this Olympus would be more the same category as the Fuji X100T, don't you think, Doug? Well, no, it's interchangeable no? lenses. Oh, that oh, that one is. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I um it. no, I think, you know, the the X70 I think is well, totally different category of camera, I think. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. you know, uh, not to get too geeky here, but Fuji is probably, no, not probably. Fuji is without question the vendor who does a better job of listening to its customers to making firmware improvements, mm -hmm. to making camera improvements that really respond to what their users tell them. And uh, and hopefully that they're reaping the rewards of that. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, Olympus is popular among street photographers, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I can see in my workshops, it's, it's probably the second most popular camera on workshops for street yeah. photographers. Yeah, the EM1s and the EM5s are great, great cameras. Mm -hmm. I just think this particular one misses the boat. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. All right. Well, hey, if you're, if you're I'm, into uh, this world, right? You know, if right. you're a pin shooter, this 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 warrants at least having a look at it, I guess, right? Yeah. So even if Uncle Doug says don't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> and for a lot of people, $1,200 is really not a whole lot of money. And, you know. Uh, you know those first worlders, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on. Uh, uh, we're going to we're going to take a quick break and after this break we're going to come back and dive into our Twip listener Q&A. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know, as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know, all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain. And thankfully, FreshBook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or, you know, sort of messing with our creative juices. With FreshBooks, you can invoice clients. It's easy. You can do it in seconds and expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger. You're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff. You can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your, on your mobile phone. You can whip up business reports. You can stay on top of your income, expenses, and tax time is coming up. So with a couple of clicks, you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP, enter the code This Week in Photo or TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to, uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of This Week in Photo. 
All right, folks, each week we take a question from one of the TWIP listeners, and this week's question comes in to us from Dave. Dave says, can you recommend a brand of hard drive for backing up my photos? Is there one brand that's better than another in terms of reliability, or should I just look for the most storage at the best price? Doug, you got to take the first crack at this. What do you think? Well, Dave, Dave didn't tell us whether he's talking about backing up while he's on the road or backing up at home. I think if he's backing up at home, you know, we've got everything from Drobos and Synology boxes to single yeah, drives. Totally. You know, you can't you can't go wrong with just a simple USB um, drive that you not a, not a thumb drive, but you know, a hard drive that you can copy your files to. The important thing, of course, is to get it off site because a backup that's in your house isn't really a backup. So you got to do that. Um, if he's talking about a travel backup, there are a couple that I have. Here's an old one. I've dragged these out. This is the uh, Hyperdrive ColorSpace UDMA. It's an older unit, but it has a screen on it. You can actually preview stuff. It has an SD card in it. Uh, has actually has a, um, a CFI card as well slot. So you can just back stuff up on the road. You don't need a laptop. You don't need an iPad. The one I use now is similar. It's a Western Digital my pass what is it called my passport wireless and I it's like a that. it's a small drive you just at the end of the day you put your sd card in it and it backs it up um, and what is the wireless what's the wireless function oh you can actually sit there with your uh mobile device and then you can use the mobile device to actually preview the images look at them delete them if you want to which of course you should never do while you're traveling um the problem the only problem and this is very reasonable you know it comes in one or two terabyte formats for not much money it's got the world's worst user interface. It makes a Sony camera appear easy to use by comparison. Oh, um, <laughs> once you once you master how to use it and set it up right, it's perfect. But it has a very painful learning curve. But it, this is what I currently travel with. And uh, this stays in my check bag and my SD cards stay in my camera bag. Interesting. You know, iFi, iFi announced that they're working on a product similar to that one where you can put in an, uh, an SD card or a CF card or plug in your phone or whatever into it. And it does what you just said that thing does. It'll copy your images over to the drive, but then it takes it one step further. You can authenticate the drive to your Dropbox or to Amazon S3, and it will take those files when it's on a known network and push them up to a cloud service as well. Right. I don't know. Would you use I think, that? I think, I think this does something similar, but you know, all I care about is when I'm traveling, yeah, uh, that I want to have two solid copies in two different places of everything I shoot. That's all I care about. I'm not getting. And where are those two places? So you have it on that drive, and then they're still and on the, the SD memory cards. Card? I I never reuse an SD card yeah. while I'm traveling. Yeah, I took that advice. They're from you. they're cheap. I just buy more. Yep, love it, love it. Valerie, you have anything to add to that? Are you how are you backing stuff up? Um, well, I do back up with. Uh, I have external. Uh, well, they're called Western Digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, my book desktop external hard drive yeah. and i rotate uh every month one off site and then oh nice so okay. i have two and i rotate them and then i do backup with backblaze as well so oh so you're covered yeah oh uh, yeah what did you think yeah i, I, <laughs> I don't know i pass you no were judgment under- <laughs> estimating my answer i can tell i wasn't underestimating i was just you know (laughs) proceeding with caution (laughs) and when i travel i do not format my sd cards until i'm back home and they're backed up on my desktop the external hard drive and backblaze and do you back so so my thing is if i come back home 
even though they're backed up to all those locations, I still don't format my cards until Not I get until ready to go on to the next. Yep. Yeah. So that's part of my routine of like when I'm getting yep. ready to go on another trip or whatever, I format at that point and not because I'm like, yep. why? It's why should I delete it? You know? Back up. Yeah. I just formatted something in Paris from Paris January last year. It's just happened to be an SD card that I hadn't used in a year. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah why format right away when if you don't need them? Yeah. It's not like it's messy. It's just, you know, that's right. rearranged electrons. Cool. All right. Well, Dave, I hope that answered your questions. Um, so there is no one particular hard drive. I think I think the the takeaway from this conversation is even me. I mean, I have I have Western Digital Drives. I have uh, what do I call it? The My Passport Pro. So it's like your it's like your drive, Doug, but it's a it's a RAID. It's got two 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 terabyte drives in there that it raids together, yeah. and it's got that's a like five. that's like Valerie setup, I think, not mine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, so. I have that too. That's what I have to back up the desktop machine. Okay, yeah. okay. And that's, that's fine. It's a little heavy, but, you know, it's got a lot of stuff on it. So, right. you know, your mileage may vary. I mean, these drives are so cheap. You remember back in the day? I mean, these, like, drives were insanely, ridiculously expensive for nothing. You yeah, know, for 500 megabytes. Here, <laughs> the three terabyte on Amazon is 100 bucks right now. That's just insanity yeah. in a good way but it's uh, that's, so that's there so is cool. no excuse not to have rotating hard drive one off site and be completely covered yeah i feel sorry for those companies how are they even making money in that industry where hey, the bottom just dropped out of it i mean like in the old days i bet they were like oh yeah we're printing money these drives only cost us 40 dollars to make and we're selling them for you know 1200 dollars <laughs> And now it costs $40 to make and they're selling them for a hundred. So yeah. yeah, crazy, crazy. All right, guys, uh, listeners, if you have a question you'd like the panel to answer on a future episode of the show, just visit us at thisweekinphoto.com and click on that submit a question link and you can send us a question or leave us a voice message. All right, uh, we're coming into the end stretch now. It's time for the picks of the week. This is a segment where you guys can pick anything to recommend to the TWIP Army, as long as it is related to photography. Valerie, I'm going to let you go first. What's your pick of the week? Um, it's actually a film, and I've recommended it on my show, and so many people emailed me and thanked me for recommending it, so I'm recommend recommending it on a, to a wider audience here on TWIP. It's Bill Cunningham, New York. It's a film by Richard Press, and uh, it, New York photographer Bill Cunningham, he photographed um, the fashion um and fashion on the streets and also at fashion events and uh he it's so it's such a beautiful film it's you don't even have to be a photographer to love this film uh but it's it's all about passion and um and it's wonderful i can't i can't recommend it enough I mean, no, is it, whether, where where do you get that? Is you have to buy it? Okay, or is so it now on... you can get it if you're on Amazon Prime. You can actually ha uh, get it at no cost, uh, and you can you can rent it from iTunes. I received it as a present from one of my workshop participants from the New York uh, workshop, actually, and I just loved it. Um, and you can just uh, also buy it on iTunes or rent it for. I'm going to watch that tonight. It's That's on my awesome. List. It is so awesome. Yeah, Doug, Doug have you seen it? I've seen it. I love it. I recommend it as well. And Bill is still shooting. Yes. Yeah. He's Actually, still, if you're if you're lucky enough, you might see him on the streets of New York because he still does that. One of my workshop participants saw him the right after the workshop ended. There was some kind of a parade and ran into him and had his photo taken with him. So yeah. 
That's awesome. That's great, great, great Very movie. Cool. Mm-hmm. And a perfect pick. Thanks, Valerie. Doug K., what about you, man? What's your pick of the week? Well, one of the things I like to do when when I do shoot when I do shoot digital, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like to geotag my images. Uh, I like to be able to know if I'm walking the streets of Havana exactly, for example, what street, what address was I at when I took this picture? Because when I go back on the next trip, I like to take a print back to the home that I went inside and give them a print or two that I took inside their home. And there's no way I'm going to be able to write notes about all that. So uh, I geotag my images. You, You know, some cameras have GPS built in, but it just kills the battery. It's much better to have a mobile device in which you can basically make a GPS track log. Now, this particular app called Galileo Offline Maps does that, plus, uh, it, it well, it has two things. One is it literally has offline maps. So I go to Cuba. I may not have internet service for a while. I might not have cell service. But if I preload the map for Cuba, I have a street-level map of all of Cuba in mm-hmm. my phone for four bucks. That's and, important. And so I have bookmarked every restaurant that I go to, every gallery or dance school that I've ever visited. They're all in a file that I have. And when I'm there, I also record a track log, which I then use in Lightroom to geotag all of my images. So this is, and it's a beautifully designed user interface. I highly recommend the $4, $3.99 Galileo Offline Maps app. And it's got maps for everywhere in the world. Wow. Valerie, that sounds like something you need. <laughs> Wait, you are. Sorry, you what? know Paris like the back of your hand. I mean, come on. <laughs> you're like, what? Map? Who? Where? Oh, no. Not me. Uh, that's cool. I I'm like sure that, I'm sure it's Doug. very good. I could have used that, actually, when I was in Vietnam, because although Vietnam is blanketed in Wi-Fi and all that, there are certain locations where it would have been great to at least have a backup to know that, hey, if I don't have service, I still can find my way around, around this place. So, yeah, that's a good yeah, one. You can, you can use it for getting around as, you know, you don't have to use the uh, GPS tracking, the logging. Yeah. You don't have to do that. You can just use it as a, use it as a map, and it, it probably has almost all of Vietnam in there. Yeah. S- certainly the it. cities. I mean, I'm out in the rural parts of Cuba, and it's got everything I need. Wow. Uh, uh, it's costing me money, spending my money, just like that. Four bucks. Come on. I know. I know. Well, speaking of spending money, my pick of the week is this guy. Sorry, sorry, Valerie. I know you're going to, you hate technology like this. No, I almost bought it, actually. <laughs> Did you see that? What is that? Uh, that's the iPad Pro. Uh, you know, the size of that thing. I, I honestly, I didn't know that I was going to want, this was a gift. So, you know, it was, it was my Christmas present. And, I was not planning on buying one. Normally, if there's something that I'm like lusting over from Apple, I'm just like, you know, the the reality distortion field will, t- will take over and I'll just justify going to buy it, even though I don't need it. Hence this watch that I have on. <laughs> but this thing was a gift. And I'm like, ah, oh, another iPad. I already, have, I love my iPad mini. This one's gigantic. I have a, you know, the MacBook Pro 13. Why do I need a giant iPad? Little did I know, I've been using this thing every dang day i mean it is so nice to read on this i can't even describe how nice it is to read on it so and it's powerful i mean the the power in this thing is ridiculous photos look amazing on this it's like i can't see looking at photos any other way except on this and this one my uh the one i have is an at&t it's 128 gig it's like the 
you know, the maxed out one. So this is like the the thing. So now I'm like, okay, do I want to get a do I want to get a, a keyboard case for it and the pin? Do I need all that? The <laughs> pen is so. cool. I you, do you have pen. one? You have one, Valor? No, but I tr- I almost bought one, and I love the the pen. And you can do that Zen thing with it. Oh, I just love that. Did you yeah. try that where you do Zen art and it just disappears? No. And just oh no, no, I haven't tried that. I've been I've been trying to hold off. So maybe I need the pen. <laughs> the pen is cool. I I would not have it without the pen. It's a yeah, hundred bucks more, which is ridiculous. They could actually give it. One hundred thirty bucks. It's Apple. Is it really? It's one hundred thirty bucks, <laughs> and it's called the Apple Pencil. Course, yeah, right? it is pretty awesome. I tried it, and I mm. must say, it was very tempting. And you can watch that Bill Cunningham movie on that. I'm good. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'll do that tonight. Doug, what about you? I mean, have you seen the? What do you think about the iPad Pro? Are you gonna get one, I, or is it? I no. I have the uh, I have the six plus iPhone, mm-hmm. and so when it's I almost travel, as big. <laughs> it, it it is, it it fits in my pocket. But I do, um, yeah. I do. Like when I went to Cuba, I did not take a laptop. I did not take an iPad. I did not take a Kindle. I only, what a cute little that thing. six plus versus iPad yeah, well, Pro. But but this is all I took. You know, I yeah. took. I did not have an interchangeable lens camera. Uh, I had just my phone. That was it. Yeah, that's, that's all it. I had. That's you know? see, and, and that's I'm, nice. I'm getting. I'm traveling lighter, and I'm almost traveling as light as Valerie. But I'm. It's hard. But yeah. as a as a gearhead, you know, to take essentially one and a half cameras, no interchangeable lenses, and a phone, and that's all you need. That's just yeah. all you need. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I don't know. I mean, it, so I, it, let's I let's put a frame around that. That's all you need if you're going minimalist. But I've created a kit. I don't know if you can see it back there. No, you can't see it. So I have a kit I call my multimedia kit, right? So it's like my my twip army deployment pack <laughs> so in this case in the case is in this the case is uh who's it? it's think tank it's a think tank case called the air the airport helipack i think so in it is a drone my phantom three and the controller and extra batteries also in it is my panasonic lumix gx8 and a couple of lenses also in there is some little Sony like GoPro type cameras and a Theta for 3D and 360 degree video <laughs> all in this one little case. So with this case, I feel like when I throw it in the car, I'm like, there's nothing that I cannot capture. So it's the opposite of minimalism. It's maximalism. Right? So you leave it by the door in case there is a fire. That's the one thing you'll grab. You'll leave the photo albums behind, but you'll grab your case. No, that stays. That will burn up. The photos are all backed up online anyway. So it doesn't you know, so. I, I, I'm absolutely going the opposite direction. I have, you know, I'm looking at a shelf over here with so many lenses and camera bodies, and they mostly just sit there. You know, 10 days in Cuba, maybe there was one shot I wish I had a zoom lens for. Yeah. And that was it. But, um, you know, you just, you, you, you learn to think differently. Isn't that true, Valerie? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. again, I, oh, I agree. I get I agree. to play with some of the Fuji gear and I, I love it. I mean, I'm going to probably be, um, playing with the X Pro 2 within a couple of weeks and, and it's awesome stuff. But <laughs> when it comes back, you know, when I grab, uh, my when I want to go out and get in the zone and shoot, I grab my X100T, and that's the only one that I travel with. So I'm not sure the one that's going to replace it is even born yet. I mean, I'll try other ones, but that's that's still my favorite. I, you know, I 
on this last trip, I and mean, you guys travel much more than I do, but on this last trip um, to Southeast Asia, I was thinking, okay, I need to bring all these lenses, whatever. I ended up boiling it down to just three or four lenses, three lenses I think I took with me. Um, but in practice, I only used two of those lenses. I used the entire time. And really, I mean, I could have only, I could have gotten by with just one lens the entire time. The, but the other ones there were there like for a placebo effect or you know, my Linus blanket or something, you know, it's just like making me feel like, okay, if I wanted to do something different, I have these here. But honestly, it was just extra weight. I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't need them at all. So I'm learning from you guys. I'll be it slowly, but I'm learning. I'm detoxing. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's end this show before we sign off. Doug K, what do you, what do you have coming up in the coming months? Well, I've got more, of course, all about the gear episodes, but a lot of traveling. Uh, heading to Maui next week, uh, shoot mm. the uh, shoot the humpback whales, which of course I will use a big camera or bigger camera lens for. What are you going to shoot those with? What, what's what camera? Oh, lens you'd be surprised in? though. You, you want to know what I'm going to shoot that with? Yes, I'm going to take a Sony 70 to 200 f4 and the little Sony a6000. And are you going to be riding on the whales to get these shots? <laughs> no. No, oh, I'm gonna you got to be I'm pretty gonna close. Be, I'm going to be in a rubber Zodiac trying to keep up with the whales. But uh, no, I'm going even minimal for that. You know, a 7200 and a, a APS-C crop sensor, a $500 camera is all I'm going to take. Uh, but then I'm off to uh, Paris, Venice, Barcelona, New York, uh, and then working on the next round of Cuba workshops, go to DougK.com if you want to come to Cuba with me in probably January and March of 2017. You, you need to give, both of you guys need to give us your schedule so we can just post those on the site. Not as if you need it, but you know, <laughs> you're like, please, no, no more. <laughs> no more business. Cool, Doug. Well, congratulations, man. That's awesome. Thank That's you. crazy. Valerie, what about you? What do you what do you have going on? Uh, next is San Francisco. Yay. Ooh, gonna we're going to hang you. out and have dinner. That's yeah, right. We have fun. dinner. I'm going to miss you. I'll, I'll be on Maui. I yeah, know. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I'm teaching a street photography workshop there. And I'm speaking at Apple. Still don't know which one, but I'll be there. Uh, I should probably find out soon. I'm speaking at Apple on the 25th of February. And... Um, yeah, I have a few other exciting things happening, but I can't disclose any of it yet. But I'm oh, on, come on. Why are you I'm on Instagram. Us? No, there's one one of the project that's going to start in San Francisco, actually, too. But uh, and I'm wow, on Instagram. Look at your Instagram feed. Yeah. Nice. That's I love beautiful. It. Well, thank wow. you. Look at that. Huh. So yeah, I have like a hundred and some posts and And when when did you when did you sign S up for Instagram? Six weeks ago. Six weeks ago, I think about yeah. And you're already at 1,300 followers, 1,400 followers. It's yeah, crazy. it's going fast. I'm impressed with Instagram. I love it. And you resisted it. See, I remember back in Paris, you're like, Instagram? I don't want to get into any of that stuff. Well, and it was see? all square, and that didn't always work for me. And, right, and, that's uh, true. And now that we have options, that's good. Never Better late than never. Yeah, that's cool. Look at that. I love that feed. I'm going to I'm gonna have to Instagram stalk you. I, I did the same thing. I started Instagram just this year. You did. did? Yeah, actually, I was on there before. I had I had pictured, posted one photograph. <laughs> so, but I <laughs> I found I found one of the problems was that I you can't normally post to Instagram from a browser. You have to use your mobile device. Right. And I found an app called Up U P, and it allows me to post from my browser. And once oh. I once oh, really? I that's going to be my pick of the week next time. 
Up. Is it, what is it? Is it called Up? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I think All it's right. just called Up. Hang on a second. Let me start it up. I'll tell you the full name of it. And what's your Instagram handle? Because Doug K is some D-K-A-Y-E. other dude. D-K-A-Y-E. Okay, I got it. Go to D-K-A-Y-E. You'll see me there. But Up Oh, yeah, is, there he is. And yeah, Up is... Who makes this thing? It's made by... Uh, some Chinese guy. Look at that. Anyway, just look for Up. All right. We'll put the link in the notes and we'll... Uh, I will. Link okay. Awesome. All right, and guys. It's a nice little app for that. So now you're on uh, Instagram now. We just got to get you on Periscope and Snapchat, and <laughs> it'll be all good from there. Well, I, I left Google+. Plus. You left Google+. Plus. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? You just stopped using it or stopped you closed your account? using it completely. I never open it. Wow. Why? Out of protest or just you're too busy? No, it was just they, they were making it so difficult to use. They changed the user interface and made it ugly and awkward, and I said, eh, who needs it? I got... Facebook, Instagram, 500px, and Flickr. That's it. That's it? Yeah. Wow. What about you, Valerie? I'm still on Google+, and Facebook page, and Instagram, and Twitter. That's it. Okay. No Flickr? Oh, no. Never. And, you know, I think you should... It. I think it's better to do less, but better, and it's time-consuming enough as it is. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. It's all the questions you get asked and everything. And if you want to do it right, you need to answer people's questions. And yeah, so. That's that's the key, right? You want to be on all these networks. And when you're on these networks, you have to be social because there's social networks. And it takes time to be social. And And as it grows, it's more questions. And (laughs) and it's all good. But yeah. You only have so much time. That's right. You know, you got to fit in family and eating and sleeping and (laughs) maybe taking a photo here and there, right? (laughs) Crazy. Yeah. All right, guys, thanks for coming on the show um, and putting up with the technical difficulties at the beginning. Um, everything held out, hopefully. Hopefully we were recording. I think we were. Um, we <laughs> oh, are please, at the, oh, please. I know. We're at the end of another episode of the show. And I thank FreshBooks for their support. And be sure to visit our website over at thisweekinphoto.com. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. <laughs> Weekend Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.